This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Ethos Lakers podcast. On this solo edition, I'm your host, JC DeLeon. You can find me on different social media sites like Twitter and Instagram at the handle at JCDeLeon1. You can follow the show at Ethos Lakers on Twitter and Instagram. And Ethan, who is the normal host of the show, you can also find him there on at Ethan underscore Noroff. And for this episode... I think we've given ourselves enough time. The season is long over, even though we're only about two games into the first round for most of the series. The playoffs have been pretty interesting. The Suns look like a pretty dominant team, but now they're going to be without Devin Booker for a while because of a hamstring. Chris Paul is going to be is going to have to be Chris Paul. New Orleans playing the Suns. Tougher than people thought. And in watching the playoffs, I've come to one conclusion. This Lakers team would have gotten smoked. It would have been embarrassing. As much as as nice as it would have been to rally at the end of the season and make it into the play-in and maybe have a nice moment like LeBron had against Golden State in in the play-in there. Ultimately, it it would have been... It would have been bad. It would not have been good. Whether the Lakers would have played the Suns. Now granted, Devin Booker's got an injury now, and so maybe that could have played a factor positively into the Lakers winning, but you never want to hope for an injury to an opponent. And maybe the veteran savvy of this team would have played well against the Memphis Grizzlies, even though they're playing pretty well against Minnesota. Ultimately, though, yeah, this team wouldn't have gotten very far. It would have required a lot of luck for this team to get pretty far into the playoffs. And that's just not the type of team that this team was this season. Flat out. And so the last episode, we had a great guest in Ryan Ward from Laker Nation. And there wasn't a whole lot of analysis to be had. There wasn't a whole lot of nuance that we brought to the brought to the discussion it was really and it was really kind of designed to be a venting session you know Ryan obviously had a lot of things he wanted to get off of his chest Ethan had a lot of things he wanted to get off of his chest i vented some of my frustration with LeBron and how he's handling this situation it's frustrating for everyone all around no matter what kind of Laker fan you are, whether you're a semi-new one because of LeBron, and not that I'm a new Laker fan because I'm definitely not. Uh, I don't know how far you go back to 
my time with this show, but I've given my my Laker bona fides, uh, bona fides, <laughs> to uh, to Ethan in that. Yeah, you know, I back in the day, Shaq was my favorite player. Admittedly, I never was much of a Kobe guy, but Kobe's obviously fantastic. You know, I, back in the day, I liked guys like Eddie Jones, Nick Van Axel, Cedric Sabalos, players like that. You know, those are the ones who, if I were forced to pick a favorite team in the league, and I never will pick a favorite team in the league, but if I were to pick a favorite Western Conference team, it'd probably be the Lakers. If I were to pick a favorite Eastern Conference team, it'd probably be the Heat. And so the trajectory of LeBron's career has been really good for me as a fan personally, <laughs> having played for the Lakers and the, the Heat at some different points in his career. But what are we going to do for this episode? For this episode, enough time has passed, like I said. Let's really kind of take a step back and focus and let's do what any great organization does after a period of time or after a season ends or a year ends or a fiscal year ends or school year ends, whatever. It's grade time. And yeah, I'm not the I'm not the end all be all of the grades for this team. I'm definitely not as much of an expert as people like Ryan Ward over at Lake Nation might be. He he has the media credential. He gets to listen to the pre pregame and postgame sound. He got to listen to the exit interviews. That's just access that I I, I don't have. But I do have almost 40 years of being a basketball fan and a lot of knowledge in this game from that perspective. And in that instance, or in that sense, yeah, I can give some grades out to this team. And what I'm doing is I'm basically just going to basketball reference, looking up the roster and going from the bottom down. And so we are going to start with Russell Westbrook. Not because I'm going to pick on Russell Westbrook, but because he's the first one in order on the basketball reference roster. So here we go. Russell Westbrook. For the season, played 78 games, was the most consistent Laker. I guess maybe we should break down these grades kind of facet by facet. So availability... A. Most consistent Laker. Played 78 games. Was never really injured. He only sat out due to kind of some maintenance. The first game he sat out was the night before the trading deadline. Things like that. Was never really hurt. 18.5 points. 7.4 rebounds. 7.1 assists. Let's compare that to the guy he was replacing, Dennis Schroeder from last year. I maintained that while I didn't think the Russell Westbrook experiment was going to work from the very beginning, I did maintain from the start that at the very least, Russell Westbrook does what Dennis Schroeder can do, but better. And so in that instance... Aren't we getting an upgrade for this Laker roster? 
And well, I mean, to look at the stat line, sure. Dennis Schroeder played 64 games for the Lakers last season, averaged 13 and a half points, 3.3 rebounds, 4.6 assists. So way less points, way less rebounds, way less assists, way more injured. Well, injured and he had some COVID safety and protocols and things like that. But here's, I think, the main difference in their effectiveness and what they did. Dennis Schroeder shot 33.5% from three. Russell Westbrook shot 29.8% from three. And Russell Westbrook put up a lot more threes. So he created a lot more rebounds for the opponent. In comparison to Dennis Schroeder, yeah, he did what I thought he was going to do. He was going to do the things that Dennis Schroeder can do, but better. Because he's a Hall of Famer. He's going to be an all-time great once it's all said and done. But you can be an all-time great and not be a winning basketball player. And that was sort of been my issue with Russell Westbrook from the start. You know, Bernard King was a great basketball player. Wasn't a winning basketball player. Never won throughout his illustrious career. And that's just kind of what Russell Westbrook is. He's going to be a great player. He's going to put up great stats. He's not going to win a lot of games for your team. And that's basically who Russell Westbrook was this season and what we saw. The biggest thing that people will say when they try to defend Russell Westbrook is that he he always plays hard and he leaves it all out on the court. And sure, that's fine. That's great. That's fantastic. But will it win you games? And it didn't win him a lot in Oklahoma City. Won him some. They got to the finals with the help of Kevin Durant and James Harden. Almost beat the Golden State Warriors without James Harden. Just him and Kevin Durant. Beyond that, ever since Kevin Durant left him, not a winning basketball player. Which is unfortunate. But that's what Russell Westbrook is. He's just not... A winning basketball player. And it's hard to. It's hard to say. Now that I'm doing this whole grading process. I'm kind of kicking myself for. Finding the flaws in it. On paper. 78 games. 18 and a half points. 7 rebounds. 7 assists. A minus. B plus. Not for this team. Not for. His attitude towards the end of the season. His exit interview was atrocious. Atrocious. His attitude towards the fans and their criticism of him, which is fair criticism. You can argue that the West Brick nickname might have gone a little too far. And you can argue that You know, that nickname and other nicknames are hurtful to him and his family. That can all be true. But he should be able to rise above it. And he he simply didn't. But I say all of that. And this might surprise you. To say that. The grade I would give Russell Westbrook. Is probably a D. Which is passing. Not failing. 
That lack of self-awareness, though, and how bad he's playing, <laughs> that needs to be addressed. The lack of self-awareness and how bad and how non-impactful he can be as a player needs to be addressed. He needs to do some really in-depth soul-searching. If he's going to be an effective NBA player, especially given how he acted in his exit interviews, because he might have been torching any chance he has with any team. Because if he, he's going to opt into the final year of his contract and his contract actually is also the biggest reason why he gets a D those numbers, 18 and a half points, seven and seven are not terrible numbers. Those are fantastic numbers. Not at the $45 million that he's making this season. And not at the $47 million he's going to opt into next season. There's no reason why he wouldn't opt into that $47 million. And he can opt into that $47 million And he can get bought out by either the Lakers or somebody who the Lakers might miraculously be able to trade him to. But when he's bought out... Is anyone going to sign him? Given his attitude towards the end of his time here with the Lakers. And if that's the case. We've just seen the end of Russell Westbrook. And I don't think it's the end for him. I just think it's the end for him as a Laker. Moving on to Malik Monk. Malik Monk, one of the bright shining stars of the season. Played 76 of the 82 games. Played almost as many games as Russell Westbrook. Averaged 13.8 points per game. 3.4 rebounds. 2.9 assists. Availability. Stat line. For his contract. B+. And I'll be honest. There's only one guy on this team getting an A. And we'll, we'll talk about him later. But, so yeah. B+, for Malik Monk. Very early on in the season. Well, actually, we should go back to when he was signed. When he was signed, admittedly, I didn't know very much about him. I reached out on Twitter. And I said, hey, am I going to like this move? A lot of people reached out, reached out back to me saying, yes, I am going to like this move of Malik Monk. And I looked at his highlights from his time in Charlotte. His time in Charlotte... His last two seasons, he was a double-digit scorer. But one of the things that jumped out at me most about seeing his highlight package from Charlotte is how athletic he is. And so I was envisioning immediately pairing him with Russell Westbrook, you could have one of the most athletic backcourts in the league. And there were times this season in which you saw that. When Malik Monk was at his best this season, in my opinion, and I believe Ethan shares this opinion as well, was when he was starting. When he was starting and you had the ultra-athletic backcourt of Russell Westbrook, as much as a defensive liability as Russell Westbrook can be at times, that backcourt was just simply too athletic to deal with. And Malik Monk ran a pick and roll with LeBron James beautifully. But his time in the starting lineup was too wishy-washy. Sometimes Frank Vogel would start him, sometimes he would sit him come up, have him come off the bench. 
I think that messed with his consistency. If there were times in a game in which Malik Monk would get going early, that was when he was going to have a really good game. You could see that there were times he was struggling to find rhythm when he came off the bench. And so because of that, that aspect of his of his grade, I would give an incomplete to because his, his understanding of his role kept shifting and kept fluctuating. And that's not his fault. And that's not necessarily Frank Vogel's fault either because of the number of injuries this team was dealing with. But you've got to find a way to rise above that. But I will say that for Malik Monk, the last two seasons of Charlotte played 55 games and played 42 to come in and play 76 games this season and earn himself a raise, earn himself at mid-level, mid-level exception. I really hope that the Lakers re-sign him next year. Because if they don't, I think it could be disastrous. And I think he could sign on with another team and like can you imagine him with Golden State and have you know the veterans and basically the idea that Golden that the Lakers tried to do with signing Russell Westbrook in that the idea was to give AD and LeBron some rest you've got Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and Steph Curry slightly past their primes Slightly. They're still very good. I don't want to sit here and have anyone accuse me of slandering Steph Curry, Clay, and Draymond. But Golden but have you seen Jordan Poole this season for Golden State? Imagine if the Lakers or imagine if the Warriors were somehow able to sign Malik Monk and now they're trotting out a lineup beyond Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, an athletic lineup. Of Gary Payton Jr., Jordan Poole, Malik Monk, all the guys that they have that they're exceeding with this year. It's it'd be insane. Not saying that he would go to Golden State. I mean, but Malik Monk would definitely be in demand. That's how good he was this season. We move on to Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, I'd give him another B minus. He had a very specific and defined role for this team. He knew that game in and game out, he was only going to play a few minutes. And there were times this season he needed to play more because of injury. And he stepped up to the plate admirably. Defensively, he was never quite what he was when he was Team USA Carmelo Anthony, but that was years ago. And to expect that would be frankly unfair. But his rebounding intensity was there. And he shot nearly 43% from three at home. 32% on the road, which I guess is to be expected. But he played 69 games this season, averaged 13.3 points, grabbed four rebounds, got an assist. Carmelo did everything that was asked of him, and he did it in such an admirable way, given that the legend that he is... Yeah, there were times, I mean, we've Ethan and I talked about it early on in the season when he had a few 20-point games in the first 10 or 15 games of the season. Those 
I mean, had the Lakers made it to the playoffs, those would have saved the season because he was vintage Carmelo Anthony. Just everything the, the Lakers needed him to be, he was this season. I think to ask any more of him would have been unfair given the type of player that he is at this point in his career, which is a really great utility off of the bench. And for that, he gets a B. We'll go a little through, a little faster through some of these. Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley, I think, gets a C. He was great at times in the season. Had some really great moments. 6.4 points a game. Basically, he wasn't going to be a huge stat line guy, but he did shoot 39% from three, which for his role and what he was going to be needed, needed to be, fantastic. He was never someone... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply who I didn't want to shoot a three-pointer. I certainly didn't mind any time anytime that he did. And so he was reliable in that sense. And he was a good defender, even though he's beginning to get up there in age a little bit. Yeah, I think he was I think he was a good addition to this team. And given his role, he played 62 games. He had some injuries at some point too. But yeah, I, I'd probably up him to a C plus, maybe a B minus. And we're going to move on to the only player to get an A for this Lakers roster. The only one. And that is our guy, Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves, the undrafted rookie out of Wichita State in Oklahoma. I believe he hails from Arkansas. Put up 7.3 points per game, 3.2 rebounds, 1.8 assists. Didn't shoot particularly well from the field, 45.9 for the field, 31.7 from three. Why is he getting an A? He's one of those visual guys. Nothing he does in a stat line is ever going to blow you away. Ever. He had his career. He had his career best game on the final game of the season in which he had a triple-double. 31 points, 10 assists, 16 rebounds. Got two steals. Got a block in that game. If that's the type of Austin Reeves we can get in the future, it's not. But that type of player the type of player that he was just a tenacious defender a smart defender puts forth the effort and in this this past season any laker who was giving an effort should have gotten more playing time because the biggest issue with this laker team was simply that they didn't care as much as they should have and i've 
have my theories as to why. I talked about it a little bit in the last episode and that I think very early on this team didn't think they had anything cooking and they had no way out and so they were just stuck. But you had the undrafted Austin Reeves who was just a delight. Anytime he was in a game, just good things happened. And biggest plus for, well, I say that as the biggest plus for his potential future, but and the Lakers ended up getting rid of Caruso. But Austin Reeves seemed to play really well with LeBron James. And not only that, he also played pretty well without him. There were times late in the season, and I made an Instagram video about this. You can go find it at Ethos Lakers on our Instagram page, where when Austin Reeves was, was when Austin Reeves was running the offense, he became a really good passer. He became a really reliable and prolific passer in the pick and roll with this team, and he also became a really good passer in different situations, whether it be outlet passes or passes within sets. He's just a really smart player and was undoubtedly the biggest shining star of this season. Austin Reeves, A+. plus. Well, A. A-. minus. He gets an A. That's the most important part. Next guy on our list, Taylon Horton Tucker. I don't know how you can grade... I don't know how to grade Taylor Horton Tucker. This is my idea to do the whole grading process. Clearly, I didn't think it out <laughs> enough. My favorite sports podcast, the Dan Levitard Show with Stu Gotts. There was one time they did an interview with Daryl Morey, and they were talking about Andrew Wiggins. And Daryl Morey said something interesting. And this was, this was uh, an, an approach that I have applied to Kyle Kuzma in the past and and other guys of that similar ilk. When a young player shows you or whoever a young player is by the end of his third season, that's pretty much who he's going to be. You don't see a lot of improvement beyond season three is basically what Daryl Morey was trying to say. And the thing about Taylor Horton Tucker He's still 21 years old. He's still extremely young, but he came into the league at 19. And so this past season was his third season. And to look at his numbers across the board, sure, there's improvements. But are they enough of an improvement? And I don't think they are. He went from 20 minutes a game last season to 25 minutes a game this season. Played 65 games last year, played 60 games this year. Started 19 versus starting in four games last year. He puts up more field goals. Nine field goals versus seven and a half last year. But shoots a much worse percentage. He shot almost 46%. 46% from the field last year, shot 42 this year. Three-point shooting. Put up more three-pointers this year. Shot a worse percentage, which was already not a very good percentage to begin with. Last season, 
28.2% this season. 26.9. Not an improvement there. Rebounds went up. 2.6 to 3.2. Assists went down. 2.8 to 2.7. Points went up from 9 to 10. Which is to be expected because he's playing 5 more minutes a game. Those numbers are definitely not impressive. They're definitely not impressive when you factor in the expansion of his role and how much more was going to be expected of him this season. I think I have to give Taylor Horton Tucker an F. He gets an F. I think when you come in with such high expectations and you so spectacularly don't meet them. And it's not even that he was a bad player this year. It's just you couldn't rely on him to do anything impactful to win a game. It got to a point where you could rely on Austin Reeves to do things to positively impact a game. There were times I didn't know what Taylor Horton Tucker was going to give the Laker team from game to game. You never knew what kind of effort he was going to bring. You never knew if he was going to hit his shots. You never knew if he was going to hit his threes. There was just too many question marks surrounding his productivity. And it wasn't, it just wasn't good. You didn't feel great about anything he did this season. He gets an F. F for Taylor Horton Tucker. Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. It's hard to give him an incomplete. I think there were times in which he, towards the end of the season, I think he was more of an impact than he was at the beginning. I don't know why the Lakers felt the need to signed DeAndre Jordan. I thought it was going to work on some level, and so I'll admit I was wrong there. But the DeAndre Jordan signing was so bad. I don't know why Dwight Howard didn't get more of a chance earlier in the season. He did later in the season, as Anthony Davis got hurt a couple more times when the Lakers didn't want to necessarily go small with a lineup that put LeBron James at center. Then you had Dwight Howard. And to his credit, I think when he when he was getting minutes, I think he was playing really well. I don't know if I'd give him a B, just because as much as this team underperformed, if it's a team full of, of B and C players, <laughs> yeah, that, that just wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't compute. But... No, I liked Dwight Howard. I don't. I liked Dwight's effort this season. I thought he was effective. It seemed as though he just didn't get as much of a chance. And and admittedly, I do know that it's hard for a player like him to play in today's game, as much as it's expanding away from the basket, and more and more centers are being able to shoot threes. That's going to be harder to play Dwight Dwight Howard. In games like that. I understand that. 
But I do feel like he needed more of a chance. And so I think I end up giving Dwight Howard yeah, probably a C plus. Didn't have a bad season. I just wish he would have gotten a chance to do more. LeBron, Raymond, James. He's my absolute favorite basketball player of all time. He's my favorite athlete of all time. Up until this season, I would have thought he could do no wrong in my book. For the most part, he still hasn't done any wrong. He's disappointed me in some ways. And we'll get to that in a second. But for LeBron James, year 19, 30.3 points a game, 8.2 rebounds, 6.2 assists, 36% from three-point land, still shot over 50% from the field, legendary, monstrous, amazing, fantastical numbers from LeBron James. He gets a C from me. I don't like, I don't like how he led this team. It seems as though at this point in his career, leadership is going to be a little bit of a minor priority of his. And I think if he wants to continue winning, I think he has to be more of a leader. A leader by example, a leader by voice, a leader in the locker room. A leader on the sidelines when he's going to be injured now that he's getting older. I don't get the sense that that was his priority this year. For him to say in the exit interviews that this season was not a failure. And to be honest, one of the things that I like about LeBron James the most is that in that is that he's not he's not one of these sociopathic killer mentality athletes like Kobe and like Jordan and some people hold that against him that he isn't that type of mentality player but that's one of the things I like about him I like that there's a human aspect of him that understands that this is just a game I love basketball I love basketball more than anything I understand that it's just a game when my favorite players or my favorite teams lose in sports it bothers me for a little while eventually I get over it and I go on to enjoy the to keep enjoying the game whether that game be basketball or recently soccer, football on occasion, baseball. It's all games, man, and it's all fun. And year 19 for LeBron James was one of the most fun years for him that I've seen. But I'm still at a point where I want a little more out of him. And I want to see winning. This season, 
at 37 years old, going for the scoring title, should have been one of the more one of the most fun, if not the most fun LeBron seasons I've ever witnessed. And this was God, I hated this season. I hated <laughs> I hated getting ready for the games. I hated taking time out of my day to sit down and watch these games towards the end of the season. Because I knew that the effort wasn't going to be there. Not necessarily from LeBron. I just knew that this team didn't have it. I knew in January. I felt really strongly in January that this team was going to miss the playoffs. I hoped, obviously, that that wasn't the case. But that was when I was. That was when I began to see the forest through the trees. That this team was a poorly constructed team. And I don't know how much LeBron is to blame for bringing Russell Westbrook when they had a Buddy Heel trade lined up. I don't think anything was going to save this season. I don't necessarily blame the Russell Westbrook trade fully on LeBron. But I do know that he had something to do with it. And it was just such a dis- disappointing move. And I talked about this a little bit in the last episode. I don't know why LeBron refuses to duplicate past success. You had a really great center for what you asked of him in JaVale McGee. And he's kicking ass in Phoenix. The year that LeBron led the league in assists and he was point LeBron they won a championship his championship years have been built with younger role players I don't know why he all of a sudden feels the need to have to fill out rosters with old KG vets Avery Bradley played great this season Probably about the last season he's going to play as great. Trevor Ariza is done. He's way too old. Kent Bazemore, way too old and ineffective. I don't know why LeBron can't or won't duplicate past successes. I really wish he would. That's about half the roster. I think we'll go ahead and split this up over two episodes. Help help you guys digest some of these grades. You know, we've still got Stanley Johnson, Ellington, AD, Bazemore, DJ Augustine, who I'm going to have a lot to say about. Wendy and Gabriel. There's still some guys to talk about in this roster, but we'll go ahead and end this episode with... LeBron James getting a C for the season. That's me, his biggest fan, saying that this season, despite what LeBron said, was a complete and utter disappointment. And I was kind of disappointed in him. LeBron James gets a C. 
You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at jcdeleon1. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at ethoslakers. But before we sign off, I do want to also remind you guys to use the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. You can also check out our pals at MyBookie.ag. Use code HoopBall on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. So that is code HoopBall at MyBookie.ag. And that is code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. And so, yeah, like I said, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JCDillion1. You can follow the show at Ethos Lakers, Twitter, Instagram, and I believe TikTok. If I haven't made a TikTok, I might. You can follow Ethan on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff and look for us this offseason. Hit us up on Twitter if there's anything specific you guys want us to talk about or bring up on the show. Let us know. We'll be all about it. And as Lakers news pops up throughout the season, uh, we'll be, we'll record and give our thoughts on it. As of this recording, there hasn't been anything too substantial of note. There's a Juwan Howard rumor that he might be interested in being the coach. I don't think Juwan Howard is the guy, but we'll see. And until next time, We are out.